0: Welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and I'm very excited, and I use that term very, very generously to be back here talking about The Crown after almost a year. We've got four new episodes of The Crown here as of mid-November, with the final six coming to us in about a month, and so we should be able to run through uh, about an episode a week here as we dive into the final season. And uh, when we were off, we did have the chance to review some films that had been on our radar for a while that kind of encompassed a little bit of this era in The uh, Queen and Diana. So if you haven't listened to those yet, I definitely recommend checking those out. You can find those uh, on our feed from uh, a couple months ago. But in the meantime, let's dive into today's episode about the season six premiere of The Crown, Persona Non Grata. Joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts. First, a man who knows exactly what to do when he sees a mouse. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, would you like to give us the SparkNotes version of your mouse story? Carlin,
1: would you actually like to jump in? Because I feel like you and I have a shared experience with this.
2: Oh, my God. I had totally forgotten about that until this moment. So... Ivan and his wife were living in this... How old was this apartment? It was like... in Not old. It it was was new by
1: Amsterdam standards. Uh, But like Amsterdam (laughs) is basically infested with rodents. And if you're anywhere near a canal, you're eventually going to have one showing up uh, in, in your place. So... I had spotted a mouse like once or twice leading up to uh, Carlin staying with us about a year and a half ago, and and we're just sitting in our living room, and I think Carlin is jet lagged, and it's (laughs) rainy, and we're all just in a state of malaise, and, and I'm just staring out into the kitchen where suddenly a mouse emerges from behind the stove like, coming out of, like, basically the back wall, and I start freaking out, I, I run over, I start, like, kicking the, you know, k- kitchen counters to get the mouse to basically <laughs> retreat back into the wall, I, I'm freaking out, and and that, like, I didn't have a big issue with, like, or phobia with, uh, you know, mice and rats prior to that, but now... Like, I'm a changed man. Every time I see a little shadow out the corner of my eye, like across the floor, I always get nervous that it's my old
2: nemesis again. Yeah, it was it was a really emotionally intense experience. (laughs) I actually have never liked rats or rodents. I've always had a fear of them, even though I have never lived anywhere that had them. But somehow they like still have stuck in my brain. And it was wild. Carlin, did
1: I ever tell you how that story ended? Like with that one didn't, particular didn't mouse. did you like
2: humanely collect the rat?
1: Yeah. I, so yeah, I, I, I caught the mouse in a humane trap and I uh, took it to a park like at least a few miles oh away, as you're supposed to do. And I released it out into the wild thinking I was going to, you know, let it start a new life. And not 20 seconds later, a crow captures the mouse and flies <laughs> away. Like, like I, I didn't have the heart to kill this mouse myself, but Mother Nature
0: took care of it.
2: I do remember that story.
0: It was its time.
2: And I remember that also horrified
0: <laughs> me. Yeah, Sam, good icebreaker question. Well done. Of course. Yeah. No, I saw. I mean, who knew Buckingham Palace also uh, apparently infested with mice, but they don't care as much as you, Ivan. Charles will just let it go.
2: That makes so much sense, but it just makes it seem even more like actually living in there would be like hell on earth. Yeah. Can, can we actually come
1: back to the mouse later when we talk about the episode? Because like yes. I'm wondering yes. if it's a metaphor.
0: Yes. Yes, of
2: course.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Also back with it. us today.
0: <laughs> It's Carlin Greenwald and Carlin, uh, you are yourself, a woman who may get knocked down, but always gets back up again. Is there a better song, in your opinion, to encapsulate the 1990s than Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping?
2: Oh, man. The funny thing is I've been thinking about this because I'm like writing a book set in 94 <laughs> and it made me realize that all the 90s music I knew is from like 97, 98, like when the boy bands were all up. So I would say... Which, granted, I think that's when this is set, but this is like set in what, like 96, 97? And I think that like In Sync was more of a, what were they, like 98? They, they were a little, a little later on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all my music taste is from the very back end. So I would say yes to this because I now realize that being a baby in 1995 means you do not know the music <laughs> of the era.
1: Yeah, and and, and having a, a few years on on you, I, I can say that you know I have a, a slightly more vivid memory of this time and the music that was prevalent. Um, but I will say, like uh, you know, a, a, as much as Smash Mouth has been the butt of many jokes, uh, you know, in, in the zeitgeist, like "Walking on the Sun" is a total banger, and I thought it was used flawlessly in this
2: episode.
0: It is. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. to Smash Mouth leads
2: singer. Oh no! Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, well, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we've been doing this for quite some time. It's actually miraculous that we caught up because we did start this well into the Crown's run. But the concept of this podcast is that, you know, we're here. We're not experts about the royal family. We're just trying to learn. And at least in the beginning, we had, you know, a sense of... We could kind of distance ourselves from what was the truth and just assume that everything was real. It's become a little bit harder, I think, as we've gotten into present day. But the assumption that we're making here is that everything uh, that we're seeing is at least a little bit factually accurate so that we can kind of watch these episodes and learn about the royal family because we're just three people from America. We don't know. I think before we dive in. I myself needed a recap. I don't know if you guys went back and watched season five. I imagine you probably did not. I just watched a quick YouTube video and it reminded me about all the things that happened in season five. There was the drama. All three of them. Hey, listen, there was the drama with the HMS Britannia retiring. Uh, There was the vote about, uh, you know, people, I think 25% of the populace thought that the monarchy should be abolished. Philip had a younger lady friend. Named Penny and took up carriage driving. There was the Diana book and interview. There was an episode about Mumu and Sidney the butler. Uh, Wallace died. Margaret reconnected with her old flame Peter Townsend. There was a fire at Windsor Palace uh, marking an Annis Horribilis. Uh, Charles had his phone tapped and they heard his uh, some of his sexy talk on the phone. There was uh, Philip learning about DNA in the episode Apatiev House. <laughs> we had, <laughs> we had uh, Diana starting and ending her relationship with Haznet Khan. Uh, Tony Blair became our new prime minister. He promised a new yacht, but it would be paid for by private equity, which Liz did not like. And uh, then Charles tried to create an alliance with Tony Blair as two modern men. And we had Dodi al proposing to Kelly Fisher. So, I mean, when you list it out like that.
1: It sounds like it might have been a good season. It's a-
0: <laughs> I know there's a lot of different things happening. But yeah, that was kind of where we left off with season five. And uh, that's kind of pretty much where we pick up with, uh, with season six. So, Carlin, all that said, could you give us a quick recap of what we saw in the season six premiere Persona Non Grata?
2: Yeah, I mean so we actually have a cold open on in Paris on a just a regular French guy walking his dog and you're wondering what's going on here <laughs> only to reveal that he is witnessing some kind of crash. We don't know what yet, but uh we're going to go 8 weeks back to find out what led up to this crash. And so basically we are pretty much exactly where Crown season 5 left off. Basically Diana is so she is approaching Tony Blair about potentially having a formal role that aligns sort of like with the government, even though she is no longer a member of the royal family. But when Tony brings that back to Elizabeth, she's like, no, there is going to be a very distinct difference between being in the royal family and being out of the royal family. And Diana is no longer in the royal family. So that is not going to happen. Thus, Diana has to go off and do her own sort of charity work. And meanwhile, Elizabeth, <laughs> we have Diana which was a thread we started last time about Muhammad Al-Fayed inviting her and the boys um, on holiday. So we actually get to see that holiday where it is revealed that this is a large plan that Muhammad is making in order to try to set up Diana and his son Dodi, who, as we know, just got engaged to an American act, act model. Model? Yeah, she's a model. And basically, Dodie's like, what are you doing? I am engaged. I'm not going to play around with this. But as we see over the course of the trip, that is not necessarily what happens. But meanwhile, Diana also has other men she's dealing with, namely the paparazzi, who are just like relentlessly present on this trip to the point where the children particularly William is even like I don't want to go outside like the paparazzi are there like why can't we have an actual vacation uh which is you know that's a good question meanwhile with Charles it is Camilla's 50th birthday and he is planning a really big bash and but there's one guest that he and his team can't quite get to commit which is none other than Elizabeth And so he goes to Elizabeth and tries to make the case that it would mean a lot if she came. And she starts off being like, no, like I have prior plans, but it quickly becomes clear that she is not going to this party because she still thinks that there's kind of some scandal to be had with the way that everyone knows that Charles and Camilla started off as an affair while he was with Diana. And she's still kind of a tainted woman. Charles tries to argue that like, Even the public opinion is not quite swaying that way. It's seeming like Camilla is in the clear, but he cannot get Elizabeth on board. And basically the party goes off and it's actually really good. And a surprise, a player on team Charles is none other than Margaret, who is witnessing this party and how happy Charles seems and calls Elizabeth and is like, Hey, he actually seems really happy and confident. You need to get on board with this. And Elizabeth has to kind of tutter around and, not quite commit and talk to Philip about it, but she seems to eventually kind of start to get worn down. But Charles, of course, is still not satisfied with the seemingly close approval of his mother on Camilla because he sees that they are still at war in the press sense with trying to get better coverage than Diana, which still seems to be impossible because the paparazzi and the world are still hanging on to every image that is ever taken of Diana and still seeing her as sort of like this wronged fallen princess who despite getting into a bit more of a scandalous era in her life is still very much well received. So Charles is still on the warpath to get better approvals than Diana. And back with Dodie and Diana, Dodie is having a lot of problems with his fiance. Surprise, surprise. Um, because she <laughs> learns that he is, in fact, not on a business trip, but on a private yacht with who is regarded as the most beautiful woman in the world. And so while Dodie is having these problems, he actually goes to Diana to talk it out, thus, ironically, leading us down the path of where. Dodie actually and Diana seem to form a romantic connection, which we sort of put a little pin in it when after the vacation, Diana comes back and has a present waiting for her along with an invitation to Paris.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Carlin. So I think also we should just say because, you know, the crown, they drop all their episodes in in a batch. And I know this isn't necessarily how we approached it last time because you two just couldn't wait, You had to watch the episodes ahead. But I think this time, to the best of our ability, we're going to try and keep it, you know, in such a way that we'll watch the episode and then record and not not look ahead and not try to have any of our opinions about this current episode influenced by what's about to happen later in the season. That being said, I think that we have in in prior podcasts tried to predict many many times how they would <laughs> how they would depict you know the the car crash scene i don't think any of us had us uh had my dog won't pee my fr- this french person's dog won't pee <laughs> on on their bingo card
2: i it's what a movie
1: <laughs> yeah i uh I, i'll just go on record straight away and say that i thought that that was a bit of a tasteless opening scene Like I, I, of all the ways they could have started this season, like with a, you know, sort of unnecessary flash forward to an event that we're all kind of dreading. And we're, we're, we we know it's headed in that direction. Like we don't need to get that glimpse forward. It, it, God, I mean, it, I know, I know this is a very commonly used screenwriting trope, but did they really, really need it here?
2: No, they they absolutely did not need it here. And it was, yeah, no, it's like, we all know going into the show, like, especially at this point, like, there are certain events that everyone knows about and that everyone is already, like, like you said, like, dreading, looking forward to. Like, why? Why even bring it up now? Even from a narrative standpoint, like, why don't you just build the tension?
0: Yeah, um, and I was gonna say, we saw this, they used this as the kind of opening uh, for The Crown Season 2, right? Where we saw in the very first scene the argument between Elizabeth and Philip. Then, I will say, I think... We saw the same scene again. It's not like they then left that out of the later episode. We saw it rehashed. And I don't mm-hmm. I hope that they don't do that again here. Like I don't know that we need to see it <laughs> twice.
1: At least oh, not from the same I, perspective. It, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. They're uh they're gonna show it twice, guys. <laughs> We
1: all know. You, you know what, though? Like, I do wonder. I, you know, when we started this podcast, we kind of approached it from the with, the with sort of the pretense that like we don't know who these people are, we don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to treat this as a fictional narrative. Let Let's go along for the ride. Do you think there is anybody out there watching The Crown that has so little historical knowledge <laughs> that they actually don't know where this is going, and they saw that opening scene and thought? Well, well, holy shit, what's going on here
2: i I hope it's like a zoomer, just someone who like <laughs> wasn't alive for anything that's going on,
1: yeah, like please if you're if you're out there and listening to this podcast, reach out to us like we we want we want you to co-host for the rest of the season with us,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're too old for
0: <laughs> I know we've all been born at this point, that's crazy, so that was definitely an interesting beginning, but yeah, then we cut and. To this, to I mean, to kind of elaborate on that point, we've talked a little bit about this, I think, last season and also in some of the movies that we've watched, but it feels very 90s now. Like, the music that they're picking, I think if you held this episode and the first episode of season one, Wolferton Splash, next to each other, it feels like an entirely different show.
2: Yeah, yeah, which, I mean, it's kind of wild. Like, obviously, how long this rain has been that you could... We are talking about the same woman's reign, but yeah, the world has changed so much in what was it, fifty years? Isn't there
1: yeah. also something about like depictions of the '90s that take place in Britain that somehow make it look even older than it was? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I I see what you mean for sure.
1: Yeah, like I mean, if 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 this were you know set in San Francisco right now, it it like. You know, it would probably feel relatively modern, but like everything about that sort of dreariness of like London in the backdrop of the mid 90s, it all just feels so like stale and antiquated in a way where like, yeah, like to your point, uh, you know, Sam, when the show opened up in the 1950s, even though it was, you know, out of time, it still felt very crisp and fresh and you were in the moment. But here it just feels like a, a, a period piece in a very cheap way.
0: Oh, I I think to kind of piggyback on on the point that you were trying to make earlier, in addition to kind of having this been more recent history, we've also we watched the crown or we watched the queen and we watched the Diana movie. So we do have a little bit of context into how this era of the crown and Diana's story specifically have been portrayed uh, around this point in time as well. Uh, That being said. I think that the way the crown is doing it is markedly different than the way that Diana, (laughs) that the Diana movie did. (laughs) Granted, we had our, we had our, you know, (laughs) our issues with the Diana movie, as did the viewers, but uh, Mm -hmm. I thought that the relationship between uh, Diana and Dodie. Here at least feels more sort of organic and uh, and genuine than the Diana movie was want to portray.
1: I mean, yeah, the, the, these are two very different Dodies. Like the the Doty in the Diana film is kind of like this very debonair kind of billionaire Lothario who's like, you know, come with me on my yacht, young lady. <laughs> Whereas this one here in The Crown is far more, you know, mild-mannered and kind of, uh, like, e- even meek in a in, in a certain way. Um, and, and, yeah, like, who's to say which one's closer to reality? But, like, yeah, they, they feel like entirely different people. And I don't know that there's a single, uh, you know, figure uh, in any of the, you know, any of the stories we've seen about the Royal family where two depictions of the same person have been that drastically uh, disparate um, granted like the, the Dodie and the Diana film maybe got all of three minutes of screen time, but yeah, totally different dude than the Dodie here.
0: I mean, we've seen, we've seen Dodie before a little bit. He's kind of been portrayed this way throughout his run on the crown. Uh, but here he is, same guy. He's in this relationship with American, Model and actress, Kelly Fisher, but he just leaves her. He up and leaves her. He can't say no to his dad. And so he goes to the yacht and uh, despite his best efforts, has a good time.
1: Yeah, the the, the thing about his, you know, fiance that I find so befuddling is that, well, well, first of all, like one of the last few shots of uh, season five, uh, it was a a montage of different characters in different situations. But one of them was Dodie proposing Mm -hmm. uh, to his fiance, which was a very weird place to, you know, kind of leave things off. And I was very curious how they were going to pick that up. And, And, you know, in very weird fashion here, they kind of, Bring it back just to sort of toss it aside. Um, like, did we need the fiance to be on screen at all? I, I'm I'm not sure that it really did anything here.
0: You mean even dating back to season five? Did she even need to be on the show?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, why why could could we not have just had Dodie show up uh, on the on the yacht uh, by Muhammad's request? Like, what 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 did having the fiance add to the situation?
2: I I mean, I guess because she was really there. <laughs> I don't know. I. I didn't mind that so much. I thought it was actually a surprisingly interesting storyline to have to deal with like this idea of this man who is too weak to say no to his father. I mean, it's also, it seems like he was too weak to say no to him and that he was also like kind of, I think like secretly or very, and then clearly not so secretly like relieved in a way that like, oh wow, like look who my dad got me. Now I just need to slip out of this relationship somehow and then obviously taking like the coward's way out of it. I thought that was it like, It was a more, it was more than I ever thought we would get of Dodie. And I didn't even like, that wasn't something I knew about. So that was actually something that I did learn is like this whole little love triangle. Like I definitely just thought that like, they just got together like Diana and Dodie. That was just it. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say,
0: I I, I do think that Kelly is a good representation of kind of the way that, uh, or or this kind of place in which Dodie feels where he's always kind of disappointing. And angering his father, because if we don't have that, what do we really have from Doty? Like we have that scene where he's filming his movie. And actually I think Mohammed liked that. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like having the fiance does add to kind of that sense of it all building for, for Dodi specifically as a character.
1: Yeah. I don't know. To me, it just kind of feels like too much too late because keep in mm-hmm. mind, like the, the, you know, the, the FIEDs, like we were introduced to them in episode three of last season and then didn't see them again until the finale. So the way that they sort of like, you know, established them uh, early on just to kind of revisit them in a, in a sudden rush, it, it like, I don't know, I find it a little dizzying in a sense.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's like <laughs> how much you can take of like, are you just going to accept this random like splash of characterization suddenly coming to us? Or you're like, no, why where are you putting all this now? <laughs>
1: Right, because when sure. we meet Dodie in episode three of, uh you know, last season, he's, you know, the, the level-headed one. He's kind of like the the slightly more, uh, uh you know, kind of like polite and non-controversial son compared to his father. And then he shows up again in the season finale, and, and he's doing coke on a private jet with his supermodel soon-to-be fiancé. It's just like, wait, whoa. Who are these people? This is like, it's just a bit of an information dump.
2: You know what it was? Dodie, how did you get into the coke?
0: (laughs) We all want to know. It's so that Diana could say, where's your fiance? And Dodie could point and say, that boat right there. That's what (laughs) Just for that but moment,
1: can you imagine how how crazy that moment would have been though if we had not met the fiance, and we and we as the viewers were also finding out about that for the first
0: time.
2: You know what? That's actually a very big flaw in this episode that they did not make that a gag.
0: Let's talk about Diana a little bit more. So Diana, I mean we we see her right from the beginning. She's hopping on a helicopter. They're going on a plane. They're going to Saint Tropez. Yeah, you know what? I think this was was this also part of the end montage in season five where he was like, "Come visit me on my boat. Come, come stay uh, with me in Saint Tropez."
1: Yes, yeah, for like you you mean Mohammed inviting? Yes, yeah, sorry, Mohammed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Diana was kind of at her wits' end with all the paparazzi and all the scandals, and yeah, I think I think in the yeah the final episode, uh, Mohammed and his wife uh, basically offer Di- to whisk Diana away into a, a bit more of a decompressed setting, which, which we're now seeing, which, which again, like I, I find it so strange that this, this continuous storyline didn't all play out on, you know, in, in the entirety of one season rather than the other. Instead, it all like these episodes really could have just happened back to back in the same season.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's a very odd thing to have done, but. Yeah. Here we
0: are. She convinces William and Harry to go. She tells William that, you know, it'll be 10 days of street fighter, of Nerf guns. Is this, is this appealing to you as a... How old is William now? A 15-year-old? <laughs> Four, 14? 14? 14.
2: 14, 15.
0: Yeah. Is this, is this, is this what the 14-year-olds want in their vacation? Street fighter and Nerf guns?
1: To, to, my takeaway was that the future king of uh, the United Kingdom is being exposed to a lot of violence as a child. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true oh my god every parent has to put their kids in front of screens go do something else including diana
0: yeah but i think Fair. the highlight of the episode i mean i think there's a couple hi- i think the first highlight of the episode for diana is going up to the paparazzi and telling them hey leave us alone on our vacation we've seen diana i think and it's all kind of blending together honestly whether that was in the crown or in one of the movies we watched but diana like interacting with the paparazzi she does she's not one of those people who like keeps them at a distance, she'll try to negotiate with them, give them a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, she never wants to be not in the news, I think, like, but she also kind of wants her privacy at times as well, and she has a hard time, I think, kind of towing that line. But we are able to see her kind of successfully negotiate here, but also give them a little bit something that they want and then ultimately get a little bit of respite on her on her trip at the end. So I thought that was... A good moment for her. I thought that was, that yeah. was a, also, a good scene.
2: Yeah. It was so, there was that moment where like they're trying to like swim and they just have that shot of all the boats like so close to them. It was kind of horrifying. And I feel like that was one of the most effective moments of like that sort of banality of how bad this situation is. Like, can you imagine? There's just a bunch of people taking photos of you, probably what? Fifty, a hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, and, and you're I on a know.
1: first name basis with these people. Like she knew their yeah, names.
2: That was the wild part, too. <laughs> oh my god! No fan could ever claim to know Diana the way a really terrible paparazzi who just is there all the time gets to know her.
1: So yeah, uh, speaking of highlights, uh, yeah, I agree that 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 scene was a was a good one, and, and I will also go ahead and say that um, I had a fairly lukewarm reception to the Elizabeth Debicki portrayal of Diana uh, following last season. I, I mean, I thought it was very, uh, you know, competent and and well done, mm-hmm. but there were precious few moments that that really felt engrossing to me. I actually thought that like you know, out the gate here, episode one of season six was one of her stronger performances. Um, and, and I think mm-hmm. that is in part due to the fact that she was given an opportunity to do some scenes that were a little bit more understated than some of the material she was given last season. Like the the mm-hmm. scene where she's, you know, playing a piano and talking to Dodie about their respective up bringings and what type of parenting they experience that to me felt uh, you know a lot more like the uh, the humanistic like emma corin version of diana and and i was relieved to Mm -hmm. see a little bit of that again
2: yeah for sure and then i like that juxtaposed to like the incurable prankster that they just like kept doing oh that was fun like she's starting to feel yeah like she felt more like a real person
0: Totally, yeah.
2: In this episode.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the other highlight I think for Diana in this episode was definitely the piano scene where she and Dodie are talking about the opposite approaches that their father that their fathers took to parenting. I think Diana always felt a little bit uh, you know, distanced from her father. He her portrayal is that he his uh, interactions with her were such that he didn't really pay very much attention to her at all. Um she learned the piano for him to no avail. In contrast to Dodie just perpetually disappointing and angering uh, Mohammed. So I thought that was another highlight for her. I wonder how much of this was, I felt like in season five, they did so much. I felt like one-for-one recreations of things like the interview, things that we've seen, things that we know how Mm -hmm. the real Diana behaved. So it's very hard to kind of make it your own. In the Pay trip, we obviously have so many pictures and I think people always are going to kind of project how they thought that went. Um, And so it's a little bit less that people have seen directly. So it's a little bit, there's a little bit more room for her to work creatively.
2: Yeah, which obviously, as we can see, results in a lot stronger scenes when a writer can just like write. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, my critique of the, the this, uh, you know, portrayal of Diana last season was that it felt a lot like a really, really good impression of Diana, as opposed to somebody like, you know, taking that, uh, uh, you know, persona uh, and sort of making it their own and, and adding something new to it. And, and, and I feel like we're finally starting to get a little bit of that here in, in what we know to be kind of the, the late stages of the game.
0: Carlin, piggybacking off your point, Diana is a little bit of a prankster. It takes only 10 minutes, some ice cubes and Jumanji for Dodie and Diana to fall in love. Who knew? That's all it takes.
2: <laughs> did, did you? The way they were like, there was something about the picking children's movies to watch as a form of like flirting. That was quite fascinating.
0: Um, and at the end, you know, I think effectively the marriage seems off because Diana gets, you know. A watch with a note that just says Paris next week. And I think we all know where this is going. So yep. sorry, Kelly. Yep.
2: I will say, though, this felt like you kind of get the sense that this is somehow a healthier relationship than her with Hazmat Khan. Like the difference in the tone of like how they're coming together is it's very interesting how this one feels so much more like there's not as much pressure on it, which you're yeah. Like, ah. They feel oh, nice. they
0: feel kind of trauma bonded, even though they haven't shared one trauma, but just the fact that they've both been traumatized is enough to bring them together.
2: <laughs> Daddy yeah. issues, that's all you need.
1: Yeah, yeah, they both had crazy upbringings and are in, in crazy circumstances, and I, I think, yeah, they, they have a lot more in common than she did with uh, the
0: good doctor. Do you think they recorded audio on Kelly during her fight? Because I felt like that could have been her big moment, but they cut out the audio. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They were like, sorry, ma'am, you're not getting a some like a guest actress. Was she Emmy? paid per word. Not?
0: <laughs> I mean, it was an interesting scene for sure. You got the full fight and makeup uh, over the course of I think, you know, just a cut up like a vlog. Mm-hmm. But uh let's let's pivot. Let's pivot. We've talked about Diane and Dodie a lot. Let's pivot to the other half of this. Charles wants to hold a birthday party for Camilla, and his mom will not attend. She does not approve, and she makes that very clear. I thought it was hilarious.
2: It's 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 really funny at this point, because I feel like we've seen this beat so many times, and especially when she's sitting there with the dog being like,
0: she has to go to the I'm sorry, this dog factory. Is Ill. I
2: can't listen to you. I hope it just got worse and worse over time that like by the time when she was in the later part of her life, she's just surrounded by dogs and Charles can't even get into the room. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: go, okay, going back to kind of comparing where the show is now versus where it was in the in the start. This we'll call it B plot felt so just soapy and 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 thin <laughs> that if this had sh- if something like this had showed up like you know midway through season one we at the time would have been like oh yeah this was the weakest episode of the season so far what like why did they waste our time with such a boring and frivolous uh subplot And and this is kind of all that's left to do with charles at this point
2: well and and elizabeth it's actually kind of sad like all she can do at this point as like the titular character of this show is like vaguely disapprove of Camilla.
1: Yeah, which is funny, because like when you look back on the early you know, days of the show, there was a lot of, um, you know, kind of tension and a lot of uh, kind of inner turmoil that Elizabeth experienced uh, over the fact that she was, you know, very young and and didn't have all of the know-how uh, that she felt she needed to be able to lead the country in matters of the state. And now that she's, you know, older and experienced and has all of that know-how, we don't get to see her do any of that stuff. Like she, like it, it's just you know showing like the, the the soapy side of her life. Like I'm sure there are some things that Elizabeth did in the 1990s, uh, you know, regarding you know other uh, you know uh, d- diplomatic like relationships and other you know duties of state that she had to participate in. But like we don't get any of that, and then it it makes it it actually like ends up having an adverse effect on my uh, uh, view of her because it mm-hmm. like it, it's like yeah, what what is she doing other than just being like a very uh, you know almost like cliche disapproving grandma?
0: And this I think is part of like where I struggle with the past couple seasons of the crown, because I do think that the pacing has been off. And obviously as we've moved through time, the focus has moved more and more away from Elizabeth and more and more onto ancillary or not ancillary, but like other characters within the <laughs> Royal family. Sorry, sorry, Diana. Um, sorry, sorry, Charles. <laughs> sorry, Charles. <laughs> but um, I don't know if that was intentional from the beginning for this to always kind of like divert away from Elizabeth's story but I think when we watched the beginning right we knew that this was a story about Queen Elizabeth and that she was the main character and there were these other episodes that were fun we got like an episode about you know Philip flying planes and an episode about Margaret and Peter Townsend but like at the core of the crown it was always about Elizabeth and so I feel like if they looked at the the plot of like how each season was going to go in the in the story of Queen Elizabeth they lost the plot because I feel like in that instance, right, I feel like last season easily could have been like, this is all of Elizabeth's like down years. And they could have obviously had this part of the mm-hmm. story as part of last season. And it's like, oh, this is just like a really bad season for Elizabeth. There's so many things that she's missed, that she's doing wrong as she learns how to like adapt to the modern age. And there's so many things that she's mistakes that she's making interpersonally with Diana and with members of her family. But I feel like by the time. I mean, we, you know, we really learn who Queen Elizabeth is in the 2000s and the 2010s. Like, I feel like people loved her again, generally. Like, I feel like she had kind of regained that a little bit. And I feel like that's kind of where this, knowing that this is the final season, we could have left off with her. Because I think especially in a post-Queen Elizabeth, you know, era, that would have made a lot more sense.
2: Yeah. It's so hope, true. Let, let's wow. hope,
0: yeah, let, yeah. Let's hope you're right
1: because, yeah, like Amelda uh, Staunton has done nothing wrong here. Like you know, she, she she is showing up. She's doing the work, but they the material they're giving her is just so thin and flimsy. Like, I mean, if if you were to ask me right now, like, what has been like your top Amelda Staunton Elizabeth moment? I would probably be drawing a blank. I'd be like, oh, m- is it like? When they were flipping through channels and she didn't like beavis and butthead like i mean i like there's just not much here for her
2: yeah it's actually quite i'm trying to imagine what the show would have been like if they had really kept elizabeth at the forefront and like because it almost feels like a weird like pandering to the people kind of thing where in general interest did go to the children In certain eras, and they like Elizabeth was kind of just always in the background as like old, elegant lady is still here. And this show kind of had the opportunity to be like, hey, like she was doing more than just being an old lady in the background. And no, they really just. (laughs) Kind of made her old lady in the background.
1: Yeah. And and there was so much emphasis in the early seasons about like, uh, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, reinforce the relevance of the royal family and trying to keep the commonwealth together. That's just all gone now. And 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 like, I refuse to believe that there were no efforts being executed to continue to to maintain all of that. It's just they're not showing it to us.
2: Yeah. I mean, there has to be some countries that (laughs) that got their independence in the 90s. Her empire is still falling. And I don't think that
0: like doing that means that if you then made like a Diana spinoff and told the story from Diana's POV (laughs) and had a Diana series, like I don't think interest for that is lessened by the fact that this is purely like a story first and foremost about Queen Elizabeth. I just I I, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting
0: choice for them to kind of fully pivot. Like even I mean, we have our opinions about season five, but even the first episode of season five was about Queen Elizabeth. And the parallel mm-hmm. between her and the Britannia. And we even got like a flashback to Claire Foy. We got Claire Foy Elizabeth back again. Like, yeah, it, we got that. Like, I feel like this episode was a Diana episode. Very much so.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine. Yeah, we're we're yeah. Uh, at least until, you know, Diana's storyline goes it's you know natural direction here uh i i'm not optimistic that we'll get the spotlight back on elizabeth but i am hopeful that yeah that sam your your prediction comes to pass and that the season ends with a little bit more of uh her getting the limelight
0: yeah yeah for sure we do get a bit of a role of well i will say a bit of a role reversal in the relationship between elizabeth and margaret that i think has been playing out since the very first season where Margaret does say she's going to go to Camille's 50th birthday and then she gives Elizabeth a call and it's like, hey, you made a mistake. You should have been here. And it works. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth makes a phone call to Charles and as briefly as possible says, I'm happy you're happy. Boop. That's it. That's the call.
2: (laughs) It was such an interesting moment because I was like, why are they focusing on Margaret so much? This feels like a pandering to like giving the Margaret actress something to do. And yeah, it was nice. It was nice. What's she? Do? Where's Peter, though? What's what, what? What's Margaret doing? We didn't get any sort of continuation <laughs> for other storyline.
1: Uh, didn't Peter find out that he was not long for this world?
2: Well, I they could have, I guess, but I'm kind of sad that that was totally off screen. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Oh, Margaret. Yeah. You were also lost in the plot.
0: I mean, but I feel like she was like. She got more than Philip got. Like, I think Philip was Uh, at a dining table in every scene in this episode just being like, oh, this is unacceptable. Oh, you don't need to approve. Oh, no.
2: Could you imagine (laughs) if they never took him away from that dining table for the rest of his run? (laughs) Wow. I mean, let's take bets. Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Philip is like, this relationship is inappropriate when he's learning how to carriage drive with Penny. Seriously.
2: I don't even think they'll let him outside. I think he'll only be allowed to go in, in the palaces. That's all he'll get.
0: All right, some other fun things that happened. uh Charles got to yell at somebody. Are you new? Um, that was fun, and that was pretty much it. I mean, what <laughs> the mouse oh, sorry, mouse. yes, okay, I mean, yeah, this all circles back to the mouse so ivan you you wanted to return to this topic the mouse what what does the mouse symbolize here?
1: admittedly, I've not spent much time thinking about this, <laughs> but uh the the moment that scene happened, like i I knew that like. They were probably makes trying to make some kind of point about how you know decrepit Buckingham Palace was and and uh, you know how how yeah it, things are not quite as pristine and 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 really royal as they used to be and and the mouse was a uh, you know kind of representation of the wear and tear of uh, both Buckingham Palace as well as the fabric of the monarchy itself. I don't know. I, I'm just pulling this out of my ass. I, I, I agree? Disagree?
2: Yeah, no, I think that's probably right. I was trying to think of like mouse, rat, a rat is being unacknowledged. I don't know.
0: I wonder if there's, well, here's another take. I feel like, what does it mean for Charles? Uh, like the fact that Charles ultimately did not tell, you know, the, uh, this, I don't think we get the servant's name, but the, the, the worker that there was no mouse. Like he looks back, he doesn't see the mouse anymore and he doesn't point it out at all. What does that, what does that part of this mean?
1: That is, yeah, that, that is a good question. I, I'd forgotten about that angle of it. Um, yeah, you gotta wonder, because I, I, I don't buy that, you know, this is Charles' way of saying, like, I'm done with this, I don't even care about, uh, you know, the presentation anymore, because he's going to inherit all of this one day. Yeah, that that that's a good point. Carlin, help us out here. What What, oh, what does no. it mean that Charles didn't tell the staff that there was a mouse?
2: Maybe it has to do with his unhappiness. Like, He's very aware that there's a problem here, but he doesn't like quite have the grips on it to fully (laughs) commit to like dealing with the problem. Like, you know, he kind of like he sort of tries with Elizabeth, but like it's never quite like he's not extremely forceful about it. I don't think like even within that scene, like it sort of ended with him just being like disappointed. Maybe he
1: relates to the mouse. That's what I was going to say. Here's my crazy. Yeah, my crazy
2: my crazy
0: interpretation was Charles is the mouse. And you know what? The mouse is hiding now, but one day that mouse is gonna come out, take over Buckingham Palace.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I got that makes <laughs> infestation. sense. Infestation.
0: Yeah,
1: or or an apartment <laughs> near light supply in Amsterdam.
2: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> Speaking of, I don't think we talked much about Charles just throwing fit after fit about newspaper coverage that ultimately, I mean, no normal person can control.
2: That is. So wild that that is, like, so much, like, that it's so important to him. I feel like, yeah, he's the, he's got the news sickness that, like, Elizabeth and them never quite had.
1: Well, especially given how, like, otherwise media savvy, like. Charles has been. He's, you know, put together like a a crack team of, you know, people that are helping him, like, you know, build his brand and try to, you know, uh, create this new modern image of the monarchy that he's going to be, you know, kind of moving forward with. And yeah, I mean, come on, he knows how newspapers work. Like it, 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 (laughs) this, this did not do a, a service to Charles as, as a character, as a figure here in the crown. It just made him look, look dumb.
0: All right. Anything that we missed here on the season premiere of The Crown? I will say, you know, despite, I think, the the gripes that we have with, with this episode and with The Crown, glad that The Crown, or glad to be talking about The Crown with you both again. But, yeah, I mean, I think that, that I mean, there wasn't, as we've seen, I think, the past couple of seasons, there's not a lot of complexity to any of these stories. It's pretty pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, it's soapy. and, and, and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let, for sure. Let, let's hope it doesn't stay that way for the entirety of these ten episodes.
0: Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So, in our last episode, where we recapped the Queen, we made a we made a bad promise. We said that we would hold a poll to the to the public and put it to them whether or not we would continue with the Kinky Crown Awards. But under a semantic argument, we said we would post that on Twitter, a platform that no longer exists. So henceforth, we will continue. <laughs> <laughs> With the Kinky Crown We're Award. We're
2: going to do it. it. It was difficult this episode, despite the fact that there was an implied sex scene. Imagine being so unsexy.
1: <laughs> the implied sex scene being between Dodie and his fiance? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: All right. Well, that, what that's do you, not what, the answer, though. That's, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So what do you well, two I'll got? Say, well, what are your no, nominations? I'll, I'll
0: go first. That was my nomination, was the implied oh, okay. sex scene. So Sorry. I Ooh. do think that. I mean, I think that, you know, if we're if we're putting forth nominations, I do think it needs to be in the running. But Carlin, I, I will gladly take an alternative uh, okay. opinion.
2: So mine was Diana talking to the paparazzi and saying if they just waited, she would give them a big surprise.
0: Oh, that was a good one, too, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the winner. Carlin. Carlin. Yeah. Takes OK, the
0: that's fair. That's fair. Well,
2: yeah. It, I like they that. really just did not have much double on Tron in this and um, sad. Sad. I mean, did she really sure give Diana them that? M- going
0: a- she then just turned, no. like, turned to the side. She's like, "Watch this." She, she did nothing the for them,
2: but the way she phrased it, I was actually waiting to see if it was like I. I didn't it was realize going the surprise was like
0: right then. I thought it was going to be like later on.
2: <laughs> I did too, and I, I think I was waiting for something to happen, and nothing ever did.
0: I was like, "Isn't half of a surprise just the anticipation?" I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, she says no, no anticipation for you. That's The Crown.
0: Given that we're in our final season of The Crown as well, fun new segment. We have some fun sponsors of this episode. First sponsor of the episode, 90s cell phones, including the Motorola Star Trek 9085, 90- which I'm assuming that guy used to call the ambulance. Uh, who knew people had cell phones in 1997? I
1: didn't. <laughs> Wait, how, how did you ID the particular make and model here
0: i didn't but i know that that was the i looked up the most popular cell phone in 1997 and i'm making an assumption uh also jane austen's persuasion also bad fathers also watches with unsigned notes and of course the 1995 jumanji not to be confused with the Dwayne the rock johnson version no this is the robin williams kirsten dunst Hunt's Jumanji. It actually
2: felt so weird to see, like, parts of that movie in The Crown. Because I feel like you somehow have this idea that, like, these people are so, like, distant from the real world. And you're like, oh, I could also watch Jumanji in 1997.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and those are our sponsors for today's episode.
2: Yeah. Well, okay.
1: So w- one more just quick comment on that. So, <laughs> like, no. Okay. So I think, like, I want to say... I guess two seasons ago now, uh, when we first met the Emma Corrin Diana and uh, the 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 episode where Charles proposes to her, and then she goes off and she uh, you know celebrates the engagement with her friends, and they're driving down the streets of London, and Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks is playing, and I remember mm-hmm. like watching that moment and thinking like, whoa, this suddenly <laughs> feels aggressively modern. Like I th- that mm-hmm. was the moment where like the Crown suddenly like you know really snapped into like a bit more of a contemporary setting for me mm-hmm. and until this episode where we got walking on the sun by smash mouth where <laughs> it, it, like it's it, it's not even just contemporary it, it is just like you know kitschy in how modern it feels now yeah it's
2: wild
0: what if that yeah. watch wasn't from Doty?
2: <laughs> that'd be very awkward <laughs> it was that there I said was no
0: signature then. she just made a oh. she made an assumption but it could have I mean, been well, anybody. Could, could have been, like,
2: no
1: joke, it could have been Mohammed. Like, he could be further <laughs> could orchestrating I, all of this.
2: Honestly, yeah. I we'll find out next episode yeah, if that's if so. true or not.
1: I, I don't think we have time to get into this now, but, like, <laughs> we, we didn't really talk about how much Mohammed's kind of a piece of shit at this point.
0: Oh, He yeah.
2: really doesn't like that actress. She seems
0: fine. I also don't know that he... F- I mean, he doesn't even really respect Diana. He's like, I, I gave her to you on a platter.
2: Yeah, really? that's... um. That's a move yeah
0: I That's don't know. uh
2: that's that's a thing you did
0: yeah oh, let, the let,
2: let's
1: revisit this next
0: week okay we can we can do that for sure in the meantime uh you know you can find any of our earlier episodes of crowning around either on our website www.paginatedmedia.com, or on any platform where podcasts are available, so like I said, we've recapped all earlier seasons of the crown if you're just finding us now and you have the inclination to rewatch you can do that we've also been recapping some some movies about the royal family as well dating as far back as young victoria but as recently as the queen so a pretty wide scope of of time there uh ivan if people want to catch up with you talk with you about the crown in the meantime where can they do that
1: i i I think i am at ivan vukovic in every one of the, the would-be like Twitter replacements. So I think I'm on Threads. I think I'm on Blue Sky, I might be on Mastodon. Just, just find me in one of those and give me a reason to start using those platforms.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Carlin, what about you?
2: Um, I guess I'm most active on Instagram at Carlin underscore G-E-E. I technically am on Threads, I think with under the same name because Instagram just kind of made that for me. I technically am still on X or whatever it's called, but like, who who uses that? So
0: yeah, no. And Carlin, Instagram. Busy couple weeks for you. Your new book was just announced.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's called Director's Cut. It's um out June. Oh, God, this is June 11th, 2024. It's really early here. Um, You could just say June
1: 2024.
2: I could have said that, but I didn't. Uh, Yeah, it's a sapphic romance. It's uh, set at USC. It's a fun time. I don't know if I reference any 90s things in that book, but perhaps I do.
0: Do you reference Um, Diana?
2: (laughs) Do I? No, I reference Elton John. Which like I can, we can have an entire bonus episode of me just like doing a connecting web. I was doing it for Ivan's wife. Of I connected Princess Diana to OJ, and um, so you know, I could get there.
0: Well, now I kind of want that one. (laughs) I feel like the Princess Diana Elton John one is obvious. I don't know the Princess Diana OJ one.
2: Well, I have to. You have to go through a really big web.
0: So okay,
1: (laughs) we'll we'll release that as bonus content. (laughs)
0: Okay, all right, and you can find me. I guess also on X uh at Sir Sam Chung. But again, the best place to reach us if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, uh concerns about the podcast, probably also on X at Crown around Pod. And that's all we got for you this Sam, week. Th- don't stop what? calling it that. Sorry don't. on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Like don't don't give in to the forest rebrand. Come on.
0: Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um All right. But yeah, that's all we got for you this time. Uh, I think we'll target Wednesdays for these. So I think every Wednesday we'll try and get you coverage of a new episode. And again, I think that should hopefully lead us. My math might be wrong, but I think that should hopefully lead us right into the back half of the season as well. I
1: I have checked and it will. Yeah.
0: So should be all good to go there. Stay with us for coverage of this season of the crown and the, what I'm sure will be just a regular conclusion. Uh, So that's all we got for you this week. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the queen. God
2: God save save the the queen.
0: queen.